Well, hello there, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The 10-Minute Leader. My name is Ben Duick, and I am the founder of Cantera Leadership, where I spend time trying to encourage and empower others in their leadership growth. And this 10-Minute Leader, if you've been watching these episodes, you know that these are all about learning from other leaders, hearing some of their stories, hearing about some of their challenges, and learning from them. And I'm calling it The 10-Minute Leader, but as most of you know, there's so much value in these conversations that it ends up being quite a bit longer, and I'm okay with that. And I'm especially excited to have a good conversation with our guest that we have here today. His name is James Alish. James is a part of the O2E brand of companies. And most of you probably will be more familiar with the companies that are connected to O2E. That includes companies like 1-800-GOT-JUNK, WOW One Day Painting, and Shack Shine. James has 15 years of history with the O2E brands, as well as experience in a lot of other entrepreneurial ventures and small business. He is the upcoming managing director of 1-800-GOT-JUNK. So he's going to be taking on that responsibility shortly. He lives out in BC with his wife, Shauna, and three children, but he is a transplanted Manitoban. And you can see that picture on the wall behind him is the MTS Center, Winnipeg Jets yeah. fan. So James, thank you for joining me here today. Anything you, you want to add from that intro that I gave you? Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, no, that's definitely me. You got the right guy on the uh, or in the meeting here today, Ben. So thanks, thanks for having me. A pleasure to chat with you for a few minutes. Well, it's my pleasure to have you here. As you know, James, and as those who are watching know, I ask a series of questions and we just kind of pick your brain a little bit. Here's some wisdom. Here's some thoughts from you. And so let's just jump right in. Maybe tell me a little bit about your journey and your career as a leader. I mean, just in general, the last sure. 25 years or so, what does that look like for you as a leader? Yeah, so I was kind of laughing inside uh, when you uh, addressed the comment of the 10-minute piece. And, you know, we could we could probably just have an enjoyable conversation about leadership and kill an hour pretty quickly. But I'll, I'll try and be as concise as possible. But yeah, my, my career or maybe a little bit of background about my different roles and my journey as a leader myself. As you mentioned, born and raised in Winnipeg, moved out to BC to move into a role around 2001. Back then, had the privilege of working with you for a couple of years, some other great people. And uh, the majority of my career has been spent in service brands, primarily home service brands. I've owned a few businesses, both franchise and non-franchises. And on the leadership side of being a franchisor, which is where I've spent the majority of my career, I've worked with a number of different companies. Kind of started it in my early days back when I was in Winnipeg with a company called College Pro Painters. Ended up right. being in various functions with them for almost 15 years. Moved out to BC. That's when I met Brian Scudamore. Brian is the, is the founder, the creator, and the CEO of uh, 1-800-GOT-JUNK. And back then, that was the only brand we had. And spent a number of years, 2006 to 2009, leading a number of different functions in that organization. Right when it was around the $100 million in revenue size, we just launched Australia, as well as covering America. And then the recession hit. So... That was actually been from a leader perspective, that was actually one of the most interesting times, mm -hmm. most challenging times. You think about this last year with COVID, but that recession was challenging for a number of reasons and we can get into it if you want, but don't have to. Right. Anyways, went away, went through a period of running a business myself and with some partners and came back to the organization, partnered with Brian as he was launching Time, which is what was the third brand called right. Wow One Day Painting. And that was seven years ago. So I've been able to lead that organization from the point where, let's see, it was at 4 million will eclipse 40 million in revenue. So kind of able to see that grow 10 times. And as you mentioned, moving now into the role of a bigger challenge where right. 100 got junk, which is now has grown nicely where we just eclipsed 400 million in system-wide revenue across all our franchises. And the mandate or the goal is to get to a billion in the next wow. four to five years. So lots of moving parts there. And from a learning perspective, been able to go through lots of challenges, work with some amazing people. 
right. that I've had the great fortune of pouring into me, probably a lot more than I realized at the time throughout my career, yeah. which is very, very fortunate to have worked with some great people. And right. that combined with going through some of those challenges, probably where I learned, learned most of my lessons along the way. Right. So when you think of a lot of the things that you have learned and over those years in lots of different environments, lots of different teams, what are some of the key principles that you think are important to you as a leader that just stand true to you 25 years ago, today, and whenever? Yeah. Great question. Yeah. Some of the, I guess, foundational kind of bedrock principles for me when I look back and when I look forward would be expectations. Mm. Number one, ensuring that your expectations are extremely clear with all the people that you work with critical as a leader to make sure rules, yeah. goals, and expectations are very clear. So people know what winning looks like right. and they know what's important. Expectations across the organization, expectations around where you're going, expectations around their functions or their jobs, right. and expectations around how you process through conflict, just expectations. The, the right. clearer that is generally the smoother the journey. And when it comes time to have challenging conversations, they're not as challenging right. because the expectations were clear. Another principle I would say is when there are difficult people decisions to be had, move quickly. Okay. And trust your gut as much as you trust data and, and analysis of sure. what's happening in front of you. But specifically, you know, we all as leaders go through challenging situations which require challenging conversations with people. Mm -hmm. And if it's making a move that is one that you're that's not as fun to make, move quickly would be one piece of learning. Another one, Ben, would be culture. Okay. And there's a quote by I think it's Peter Drucker. No, actually it's not Peter Drucker but it's culture eats strategy for breakfast. Right, yeah. And I would be someone that would value both equally. Sound strategy is critically important. And I've learned that over the years, like the art of knowing what not to do and the art of knowing what to say no to when there's five great ideas. Hmm. Especially when you're a smaller business and you're trying to grow and you're you know, tempted to chase revenue, strategy is important. But I would say equally and even more important is investing and intentionally building a hmm. good culture. And making that not an afterthought, but an absolute priority and right. all the things that go along with that, you know, right. recognizing performance, making people feel valued, investing in your employees, skill development, progression, fun, and all those <laughs> things that go along with culture. But yeah. that would be a big one. Yeah. So those, I'd say some of the biggies to me. Yeah. And so important. And I like what you said about the last one. I mean, culture and strategy would be very important because if you only have one of those two, it doesn't actually work on its own, right? You need both for it to work well. If you have a really good strategy, but your culture sucks, I mean, like, good luck and vice versa. You can have a great culture, but if you don't know what you're doing with it, you're not really going to move very far anyway. Right. So you got it. great thoughts on that. One of the things that, and for people who aren't familiar with kind of what the franchise world looks like, and you spend a lot of time working with people in the franchise community, you work with a lot of leaders who are kind of starting their business and, and scaling it and trying to grow it. And you've been involved in scaling businesses, both your own, as well as some of the franchises that you've been a part of in the O2E brands as well. So for any business out there though, so these principles apply, whether it's in a franchise world or not, what are some of the key things for leaders who want to scale up, that want to grow? So lots of small business leaders might be watching this. They might have small teams, you know, maybe you know, only one or two people, maybe just themselves. They might have bigger teams than that. But either way, what are some of the things that you would give them as advice for scaling up? Yeah, it's funny. You just said those words, scaling up. I'm looking on my shelf over here. First thing would be a great book to grab if you're a small to medium-sized business somewhere between... Okay. I don't know, a couple hundred thousand revenue to a couple million. Burn Varnish, Scaling Up is a great, great book. Yeah. But yeah, through seeing a lot of things, experiencing a lot of things, and myself screwing up a lot of things along the way, some of the things that I would encourage people to consider would be one, understand your brand. And the word brand is an often misunderstood or misconceived right. word. 
And there's a great book called The 22 Immutable Laws of Branding that I would recommend people look up and at a minimum, just get the summary on sure. and then kind of measure your organization against some of those principles. Yeah. And there's some yeah, excellent uh, advice in there. But at the core of it is just know your brand, know how you want to make people feel, your customers feel mm. whoever they are at the core of it. A couple of other thoughts on scaling would be, yeah, I come from the world of franchising and doing things. We talk about being bigger bigger and better together than any one of us could have been on our own, building a brand together yeah. uh, with franchisees, franchise partners, we call them. And if you talk to Brian, Brian Scootmore, he would tell you, he'd tell a story about a time when he started 1-800-GOT-JUNK a lot of years ago. And he read the E-Myth Revisited. Right. And it's, it's a book that's all about scaling. And, and what he took from that was what I would encourage everybody to do. And that's build your business as if it was a franchise. And what mm -hmm. I mean by that is the book kind of instructs you to make sure you have everything systematized from right. how you answer the phone to what you say to how sales interacts with operations, to how you set goals, to how you share results, mm. to how you onboard people. You know, back in the old days, it would be like kind of a checklist mentality for everything, right. but systematize every function and every role in your business. And then even if your business is just you today, mm. see it in the future with where those roles need to be and what those roles need to do. And as you grow, you know, one person will do more than one role, but eventually you see a clear path with the structure and the systems for how your business will look well before you're there. So that would be another piece. Just one other thought I had on scaling was just the, it's no magical creative idea, but it's just the importance of knowing your customer. And this is something I've learned over the years. And, and you and I have had this conversation in the past, but just the value of knowing who your customer is and isn't is so important as you grow and scale. And in our space, we're in the home services space and the premium home services space. And a saying that I've heard many times, it was taught to me by a guy named Roy Williams. Look him up is he's, he goes by the wizard of ads. He's a brilliant man. He talks about how in a market, in almost any given market, if you want to be the market leader and you are in the services space or the, in my home services or business services space, you need to yeah. be the high cost service provider. Right. So meaning price the highest. And you can, you look at almost any market and the market leader is going to be your high cost service provider for many reasons. You need to be able to charge a premium to be able to deliver a premium experience to sure. attract the best people to pay them the most and then to keep investing and to make really healthy margin for yourself so you can grow. Right. And it, whereas in the retail space, the market leader is generally the low cost service provider. Right i.e. Walmart. Yeah. And my point in that is just know your customer, know where you want to meet your customer and know your how that ties to how you're going to yeah. price your services or, or goods accordingly. So all that to say, a lot more around that is just the value of knowing your customer. The clearer you know who your customer is, the more precisely you can speak to them sure. to attract and retain them. Yeah. Uh, so anyways, those are, those are some thoughts that I have on scaling and something yeah. I'm pretty passionate about. Quick follow-up on that. I think a lot of leaders, especially in the small business world that listen to that, might struggle with the psychology in their own heads of being okay with charging a premium price, right? Do you have any thoughts yeah. around how to get over that kind of just, hey, like this just feels weird to now be like, I was charging X and now I'm charging X times two. Like, how do you help process that? Yeah, well, the, the first thing is you have to be relentlessly committed to delivering an exceptional experience for the customer. Because if you're just delivering the same thing that somebody else can deliver, for half the price, right? it makes no sense. Sure. So if you're committed to de delivering a better experience, whether you're 30% more, 50% more, 100% more, that it's really a, a function of your belief in yourself. 
And the experience absolutely justifies charging more. And by experience, I mean, let's say you're running a, uh, I don't know, like a, a roofing business. Sure. The experience isn't putting the roof on the house or the business. The experience starts with how that person searches for you online. What is their interaction with you on their site? What, how do you communicate them through multi-channel or just through phone or just an email? How fast do you talk to them? Right. Um, how well-trained are your people? How do they feel after they get off the phone with you? How does that sales right. experience compare to your competitors? Are you the same? Do you just give them a price and leave? Or do you right. do them saying, wow. And right. all that steps in the customer journey. That's how you justify yourself being priced as a premium brand. There's a saying that, you know, I took this one away from Roy as well, but it really resonated with me. And it was the concept of being reassuringly expensive. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. It, well, just flat out, if you, if you want to grow a profitable business and you believe you have something great, it, it's crazy for you not to charge a premium. Sure. It creates tension in the right areas, right? Tension yeah. for your people to be great. Yeah. So I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah, it did. It totally does. And I know, and we did have this conversation once a little while ago, and I really appreciated that for myself. And I know that psychology side of it is going to be a big challenge for a lot of people listening to this too. And I mean, I still wrestle through that myself as I'm trying to provide premium leadership development work that I do. But yet I know that what I can do can be transformational in a way, right? So I want to... Totally. And, and that, that piece, though, Ben, it connects so much to what we were saying earlier about you got to know who your customer is. Right. Because not everybody can pay a premium for your goods or services, sure. But there are people people that have more money than time sure that it absolutely doesn't matter whether you're 10% more 20% more 30% more and those are the customers that you can build a business on hey everyone thanks for watching part 1 of that interview with James Alish there's so much good information we have part 2 stay tuned for that one it will be released shortly as well to hear more from this great leader James Alish thanks for watching